Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Thanks, JP. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, that it transforms us. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that as I speak this morning, that you would speak through me, and that your word would transform our lives. Amen. If you want to just take a seat. I think I need to work on my timing sometimes because I, I came up to get ready for my sermon and then Amy did a whole lot of notices and then I was just standing there like a dummy, like, <laughs> I don't even know what to do there. Now, are you meant to smile or are you meant to like just like scan the room or I tend to just look at my shoes sometimes, but yeah, I've got to work on my timing, yeah. Uh, this morning, I want to share just a, a bit of a, a, a little bit of a vision talk, a little bit of, very short bit about our, what our vision is as a church and our values. But mostly I want to speak into what's on my heart for the church as we go into next year. And so I guess with any talk like this, and for pretty much everything we kind of do in life, there's always that great question, which is, why? And this is such a fantastic question because it's like, why are we doing this? Why do we exist as a church? Why do we all get out of bed this morning? You know, the weather's a little bit off. You know, there's some great cafes around. There's probably something good on Netflix. You know, why are we here? And the thing that keeps coming back to me, and I, and I, and I hope that it comes back to you, is because we love Jesus, right? Like, the, we have had an experience of Jesus that has transformed our life, and we long to, to serve and to be part of his kingdom for eternity, this is good news. This is wonderful news that we are part of. And this is, this is our why. This is who we are as a church. And we have a, um, a vision. And that's a people wholeheartedly, like that's everything in us, devoted to Jesus and each other, actively participating in the kingdom of God, spreading in our region here, the Manawatu, and beyond. And this really kind of encapsulates Jesus' two greatest commandments from Matthew 20, 22, 37 to 40. Jesus was asked by one of, the, one of the, the scribes, he said, what is the greatest commandment? And he replied, you know, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and that, which was familiar to all the Jewish listeners of the day because it was the Shema which came out of Deuteronomy, which they all faithfully said all the time. So they're like, yep, great. And then Jesus added an extra one, which was from Leviticus, which was, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we have here in, in our vision is that we are wholly devoted to Jesus, that we, we love him because he loved us first, and we, and we love each other as brothers and sisters in this community and everyone in our region as well. And so that's our, that's our real heart. That's, that's our real why of, of, of who we are. But that's worked out through the vehicle of our values. And we have three values here at Kurimako, and they are whakamoimati, which can be translated as praise and thanksgiving, 
We have Fanongatanga, which is our connection, family, community, and we have Tikangarua, which is our um, biculturalism. And the, these values, um, you know, like Fanongatanga, uh, sorry, Fakamoimati, um, praising, thanksgiving, loving Jesus and each other. And we do this through our whanaungata, through our community. We just recently did this in a very impactful way through our camp, where we had that time together, didn't we? Where we were just worshipping and connecting and eating and, and loving Jesus and letting Jesus love us. It was a, it was a beautiful time. It's a, it was like a big impact version of what we were loving to do in our church all the time. And then it's, well, tikangaroa, it's participating in the place that God's got us here. I don't know what your reason is for being in Palmerston North. Uh, I know people often say bad stuff about our city, like it's a bit boring or what have you. But God loves the city. Like, I I love this place. I'm sure you do too. Like, this is a wonderful city and a wonderful region. And the Holy Spirit has been doing incredible things in this place for a long time. Through Māori and through then Pākehā who have come and then, like... For what's ahead, like so, there is some good stuff in this place, and we love our region, we love our city, and so this is this is the place God's put us, and we want to participate in that in the story of this area and this land, and we want to see, we want to send like an act of worship and an act of love. We want to see that spreading beyond the borders of our church into the community and beyond the Manawatu into Aotearoa. That's in, in an essence is our is our, our vision and our values. Um, but this morning, I kind of wanted to really lean into a, a big aspect of of the why, and it was something that really dawned on me when I went to I went to this conference, as many of you know, uh, at Bridgetown Church. Uh, you may be familiar with John Mark Comer. Ran this conference on practicing the way, and at this conference, he he started this talk about the church and where it's at, and there was something in there that really stuck with me as a pastor and as a, as a father, like, about where the Western church is at. And this is the thing he kind of talked about. They did a study with uh, Barnett's, a big think tank, Christian think tank, they did a big study with millennials, so that's anyone sort of, I'm, I'm just in there, I'm sort of a Gen X, sort of a millennial, I'm, I'm 1981, I'm kind of on the border, basically it's anyone who grew up around the millennium, so 1980 to about 1994, and then you got sort of your Gen Zs after that and something else, I, I don't know what the next one is, but basically they, 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 they looked at this group, this millennial group, and, and, they, and they looked at their church going habits, their faith habits, and, the, and this is what they found. They found out of this group, they said 22% of that millennial group in the church are prodigals, um, ex-Christians. These are people who probably may have de- deconstructed their faith, don't believe anymore, or believe in something else. They found 30% were nomads or lapsed Christians, uh, people who might say they're a Christian but never attend church, um, maybe have no devotional practices going on in their life, and are not connected to any Christian community whatsoever. It's sort of a name only, basically. And then there's habitual churchgoers, 38%. Now, this one sounds better than it is. It was basically people who kind of go to church at least once a month. <laughs> and so, like, that was basic, but they don't have very good theology. They don't have any uh, devotional practices. They're not connected, really, to their community. They're basically just hanging in there because of probably a cultural remnant from maybe their parents or maybe because they went to church as, as teenagers or as kids or something. 
Um, they just sort of do it, tick in a box kind of thing. And then they found that there was about 10% of what they considered resilient disciples. And that even that, even, even that one sounds better than it is. <laughs> Basically, that was people who um, John Stott, um, famous theologian, called basic Christians. So people who believe the right theology, basic, you know, the right sort of theology, they um, pray, they read their Bible, and they attend church. So it was like, that was the bar's really low. But that, even with that bar really low, 10% is not good, is it? And this is America, which has a high, statistically a higher rate of Christian attendance and, and participation than our country. We are a far more secular and progressive nation than America on a whole. So that number could be even lower in our, in our context. And, and I think it is, because I, I looked at this um, other study just to get some more context in our context. This is from a faith and belief study, and this is 2018, so already it's probably quite dated. That's four years ago. So this is what this, is what this faith and belief study found. Uh, this is just across the board, not just Christians. This is people that I've interviewed, just regular Kiwis. 55% do not identify with a main religion. One in three identify as Christian compared to 49% in the 2006 census, so you can see it's going down. 16% are churchgoers, and 9% are active practices. So probably something similar to that, resilient disciples from that Barna study. And that's 2018. That was prior to COVID. I don't know if you guys have been aware of this, but like talking to other pastors and other Christians around the country, churches have not rego- recovered from their, 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 their numbers and stuff and, and the community that they had prior to COVID. Um, we've been very fortunate here at Kurimako. We've been able to keep our numbers and we've been able to grow. Like we've got a very close-knit community here and God has been so faithful through that. But that's not the story when I talk to a lot of other pastors. For some reason, COVID was like a, an acceleration and, a, and an off-ramp for people to pull away from relationship and from community. I don't know, did you guys experience that? Have you experienced that? Maybe you've got friends, um, you've got family, um, you know people that used to go to church, um, used to be sort of participating in, in our faith, but they seem to have pulled away. And they might be in that camp of, they call themselves spiritual, but they don't want to put a, a marker on it anymore that they're Christian, or that maybe they don't even believe at all. And it, it, sadly, it seems to be a trend that's accelerating in our culture. And this is, this, is, this is the reality that we're looking at. And the thing that really hit me hard as a pastor, and probably even more so as a father, was I was looking at those stats, and I was thinking, I've got four kids. Like, that means, statistically, maybe one of, those, one of my kids is going to be following the Lord faithfully through their life. Uh, hopefully, we, Amy and I have done enough as parents and, and discipleship in our home that that won't be the case. But statistically, it means that a lot of our kids, like if I was to get the kids' church out here, and I'm sorry to be very somber this morning, uh, it will get better, I promise. You know, a lot of those kids aren't going to be following the Lord, statistically, okay? I'm not saying that those, your kids in particular here, but on a whole, in general, that's the trend. That's what we're facing. We're in a crisis moment as the Western church. The Western church is on its knees. And this is the very time that God is calling for renewal. He's calling for us to, to change the script. Because the, 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 the model that we've used, the evangelical model of get people to church and give and serve and some other things, it's just not enough for people, is it? For that deep, deep discipleship. And I, I, I just started um, 
I, I really thought about this in the context of, of, of a, another time in history, and this is a, a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. He was, a, he was a theologian in Germany during the Nazi era. And this guy was an incredibly faithful God. So when most of the German church basically sided with the Nazis and, and effectively said Hitler was the head of the church because they didn't want to rock the boat too much, this guy was part of a small, very small minority, but you know, strong minority of, of Christian pastors and leaders who were like, no, Jesus is Lord, not Hitler. And so he started this community in a place called, um, apologies to our German members of our church, Finkenfold, I think, Finkenfold. It's a place that's actually in Poland now, but at the time it was a part of Germany. And he started this community there um, with these people who were like-minded to him, who didn't want to just go with the status quo of the culture and, and, and just fold in with the rest of the church. And he he gathered with this group of, of faithful disciples there, and they were trying to live intentionally in community and following after Jesus deeply with their discipleship. It was beautiful. Um, but he had, a, he had a lot of friends, and, and, and one of his, some of his friends felt like he was going too radical. And I'm kind of like, come on, Dietrich. Mate, you're getting a bit too radical there, mate. Why don't you just tone it down a bit? You know, like, this is a bit, you know, too much. You, you know, you don't want to lose your life here, mate. Like, you know, this is, what you're doing here is, great, but, you know, it's a, oh, it's a little bit too much on the nose, you know, why don't you just calm down a bit, and they went to see him, they went to see him to kind of convince him to kind of tone it down, like, you know, you're getting a bit too radical here, mate, and they get there, one of his mates gets there, and he's sort of trying to convince Dietrich about this, and Dietrich actually does this interesting thing, he takes him up to this hill that's near where the, the little community of Figgenfold was, and right next door to this um, little community was a, was a German army base, and, and he was up on the hill there, and up on the hill, and at the army base, you can see all the soldiers and the, the troops and the tanks and, you know, planes landing and doing all sorts of stuff, lots of activity from the army there. And he's turning to his friend, and he says this. He says, what we're doing here in this community has to be stronger than that. Like, what we are doing in our discipleship, how we are following Jesus has to be stronger than that. Powerful, eh? Like, and that's, I, I feel like that is like the, the challenge and the call from the Holy Spirit about what we're doing as a church and as our, in our own relationship with the Lord has to be stronger than the world. Because the reality is, is this is much better at discipling us, right? <laughs> this thing's awesome at discipling us and our kids. It's got our, ourselves and our kids on here at least two or three hours a day, if we're honest, doing all sorts of things where we're struggling to pray for two or three minutes. Like this thing, these algorithms, like, you know, I, 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 we, we always think evil's like, we think pitchforks and kind of, you know, devil, and, you know, sort of that kind of thing. But, but evils and things like algorithms, you know, like the enemy is using technology and algorithms because his greatest tactics is distraction and discouragement. That's his greatest tactics, and he's so subtle at it, but he's sucking us in, and he's taking our time and attention. And so we have to, we have to form ourselves into the, in the image of Christ and, and, and intentional in our discipleship that what we're doing here has to be stronger than what's going on out there. 
Otherwise, we're going to get swept away, our kids are going to get swept away, and our grandkids are going to get swept away. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I really don't want to spend the rest of my days as a pastor just managing the decline of the Western church. Like, I would love to give myself to helping people go deeper with Jesus, to seeing people come alive to the love of God and to see this community grow and see the impact on our society, that renewal would come in a, in a powerful way in our nation. Like, I'd love to give myself to that, wouldn't you? But I just don't want to just try and manage the decline and make things okay for myself. We've got to think long term, eh? Like, this is our kids. This is, our, this is the legacy of the church in this nation, we think of the people who've come before us who have faithfully served and they've passed the baton to us. This is our opportunity to pass the baton on and to take the faith deeper, that people can look back on our time as Christians and say, man, those guys did their bit. They went, they went hard with the Lord. They went deep with the Lord. And they, they made something beautiful here. But just listening to um, you know, and, and, um, conversations with people, even from my own experiences, our world is not designed to help us in discipleship. Like I said before about the phones, the busyness, the hurry, the distractions, even economic problems. Like they're, they're, We live in a, in a world that is full of stress and anxiety and busyness. And what Amy and I and others keep picking up from people talking is that people are stressed, they're worried, they're anxious, they're, 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 they're distracted. They're struggling with their teenagers to help them with the technology thing. It's so hard to, to help your kids not get sucked into this, this vortex. And it's like, this seems to be the cry of the hour. And the other thing in that is, as well as like I said before, it's like on one hand, it's like, man, we're just getting sucked away by all these things. And then on the other hand, it's like, man, it's hard to follow the Lord. <laughs> like, that's the other thing I keep hearing. That's the other cry I keep hearing is this, I find it hard to pray. I find it really hard to read my Bible. Like, I struggle to do this, and people feel guilt, and they feel shame, and we've talked about this before. And so people really are stuck in this awful vortex of this thing going around, like getting sucked into parts of the world and shaped and formed by that, but then not really getting shaped and formed by Jesus, and it's not giving us life. It's not giving that life to the full that Jesus promises us. Now, Jesus didn't say that we'll never have a problem in our life, eh? Like, he did say, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But he said we will have life and life to the full. So that means in any circumstances in your life, whatever it is, that you can have the joy of the Lord. But it, doesn't, um, it just doesn't happen overnight. There was a, there was a famous uh, ad um, by Rachel Hunter. I don't know if you remember this. And uh, she, was a, she was a model, and she used to... She used to talk about the shampoo, and she said, yeah. it won't happen overnight, but it will. it will happen, that's right, yeah, with my beautiful hair here, you know. This stuff is not instant, it doesn't happen overnight, sort of thing. Yes, the love of God can, can meet you right now, and yes, you can have an experience of the Holy Spirit right now, but Monday's coming, Tuesday's coming, Wednesday's coming, the office is coming, these things are coming towards us this week, the distractions of the world, the fights with the kids. All these things are happening this week. Like, you've got that on your dial, right? right? And you, this, what's going to happen here today, if you get prayed for or encouraged, will be not enough to get you through the week. We have to build deep lives with Jesus. 
to sustain us more than ever. I would have said like 20 years ago, maybe because there was still a bit of a remnant of post-Christian culture and values, things were probably okay. But man, it is post, way past post-Christian out there now. We are living in a, a very, very secular nation, which is continually to get more and more secular. And so we have to do this. We have to do something. Like we have to go deeper with Jesus. This is the answer. In Romans 12, that verse I read out at the start, um, Paul sums this up. He's talking about, you know, we offer our lives, every part of our lives to God. as holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. And he says this, this interesting line here, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is what I've been talking about. We're, we're always being shaped and formed all the time in our lives. And unfortunately, most of us, including myself, we're getting formed and shaped by the world, and we, we're, we're seeing the fruit in our lives. But Paul said there's a counterpoint to that, which is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's to be transformed by Jesus Christ, by his presence, by doing time with him, learning from him and becoming like him, becoming more like him and then doing what he did. But that begs the question, and this is where I want to take this, this message today, is that's the massive big why, you know, like we know that, don't we? Deep down inside our souls, we know that we long for deep communion with God. We know that those other things in the world, while they might satisfy us temporarily, they don't get to the deep stuff, eh? the deep core stuff that, that's below the surface, our, our deep loving union with God that we all long for. But we... This is, the, this is the question that is always the hardest, is, is the how. And I, I believe that the answer for this is, is to, to leave the shallow end of the pool and go to the deep end of the pool. At the conference, someone said that, that there is a lot of noise in the church, big C here, all the church, uh, at the shallow end of the pool. Lots of noise, lots of activity, lots of programs, lots of stuff happening, but it is the shallow end of the pool. And Jesus is calling us to go into the deep end of the pool. And like I said before, that's not going to happen straight away. That's, that takes a slow work of the Holy Spirit. We're, talking, we're actually talking years here to transform and renew our minds, to change our whole lifestyles so that they become like Jesus if you want the life of Jesus, you actually have to take on the lifestyle of Jesus. You can't just sort of say, I'll, 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 I'll have, have all the goodies, Lord, but I just want to live like a, generally like a, my neighbor, <laughs> like everyone else out in the world. You have to say, Lord, I want to take on your lifestyle because I know that this lifestyle in this world doesn't ultimately satisfy and it's, 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 it's conforming and transforming into a thing I don't want to be, but Lord, I want to be like you, so I will take on your lifestyle and I will look at my whole life, everything, not just come to church on Sunday or giving or a little bit of thing. I'll give everything. I'll examine my whole life and, and bring it under your rule and reign. Take on your yoke and become transformed by you. John Wesley had a great um, analogy about this. He said that in faith... Most people get drawn, like salvation is like a house, 
and he says, most people come up to the doorway of the house and they stand in the doorway of the house. Now, the doorway of the house, he said, was justification. And this is, this is right. You know? This is what Jesus does. He makes us right. He, he saves our sins. He gives us you know, eternal life. We are justified, not because of what we do, but because of what he did on the cross on our behalf, totally. Uh, that is all, all theolog- theologically correct and right. But he said the tragedy of salvation is that people stand in the doorway and they don't enter into the house. And what entering into the house is, is what we will be doing for eternity. And Jesus is inviting us to start right now by going past that doorway. Yes, you're saved, but man, are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Do you want to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life? You have to step past that doorway and start going into the house. And what going into the house was, he said, is a, is a, is a word you may have heard in church before. It's a fancy word called sanctification. It just basically means transformation. It means that we become more like Jesus. We don't become Jesus, but we become more like him as we spend more time with him and each other. And that's the great invitation here is like, come past that doorway. Don't stand in that doorway. Yes, you're saved. That's wonderful. That's awesome. But God wants so much more for your life than what you've been doing and experiencing. There is so much more. that you, The depths of God and the experiences of God, we, have, we just touched the tip of the iceberg. There's so much that God has for us as we go into this journey. And I, I just want to be realistic about this too because I think often in church, um, particularly pastors, and I'm, I'm probably guilty of this one too, we, 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 we kind of say, oh, everything's going to be fantastic in your life and you'll never have any problems and hashtag the best is yet to come or something, you know. Uh, but it's like sometimes when you get, you get saved, sometimes everything goes wrong in your life, you know. And sometimes you have trouble and tribulations and persecutions in your workplace and with friends and family and stuff. Like there, there is actually a spiritual realism that we really want to develop as Christians, especially in, in this church, is that we're honest about everything, Yes, we love the Lord, and yes, life with him is is better than anything else, but yes, life is hard, and there's brokenness in this world. The same Bible that tells us to rejoice in every circumstance also has a book called Lamentations. To lament is to to cry out, to to say what's going wrong in your heart and your life to God. but, But the idea here is that we bring it all to God. So we bring all of our life to God, and we do this. And the, and the pathway, the way to do this is through a thing called spiritual formation. Now, uh, some of you may have heard of this in other terms. Um, sometimes it's called spiritual disciplines. Um, I know sometimes that word can be a bit triggering for people thinking exercise or other sort of things. <laughs> uh, I like to use the word spiritual practices um, because as a church, um, as you would see, we, we're a church that loves to practice the things of the Holy Spirit. We love to practice prayer, and, and we love to practice going into the deeper things of God together as a community. And so this um, is the heart of where, where I'm sort of going to in this message, is that I, I believe this is what Holy Spirit has, is touching on in this season. Like, we're a, we're a charismatic church, uh, if you didn't know that, if you haven't been here for a while. Um, we love the things of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're open to Holy Spirit coming and moving and doing everything in us. Um, but I think, like I said earlier... I guess my heart's desire is to bring two things together. So I want 
I, I, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I want more and more of those experiences of God, more of them. But I also want to help people to actually have deep devotional lives with God. So that means that they're, that they're creating a well in their life so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they are encountering the presence of God in their workplace, in their home, with their neighbours, whatever it is, whatever circumstances. And so we're bringing both of these streams together to create a deep church. I guess, that's, I guess that would, I'd say that's my heart for this church. Um, I know last week we talked about... Um, Jesus in Matthew 11 sort of opened up his heart and we saw what his heart was. I guess if you did open up my heart today and what, what's burning on my, in my bones at the moment for us in a church is that we would be a deep church. Like God will grow this church and family as big as he needs it to grow. It's his church. I'm not, you know, yes, we need numbers. Like if it's my wife and the, and the church cat, well, I'll, I'll wind this thing up. But... Uh, but but it's not my fixation. It's not the end goal. Um, my goal is that you, you're, for your souls, that you would go deep with God and that you would be transformed more into his image and that we would see the fruit of the spirit in your life. And that will be attractive to people anyway because people want to go with his life where they're going deeper. Um, but I, I've found for myself the, the spiritual practices and they're things like fasting. Some of you might be familiar with this fasting, um, prayer, uh, scripture reading, um, solitude, which incorporates sort of silence um, and, and being on your own, uh, uh, community, hospitality. Um, some of these things are, are just things that have been, people have looked at the life of Jesus, Christians over, the, over thousands of years have looked at the life of Jesus and said, look, this is how Jesus lived his life. And we want to we wanna follow Jesus. He's our rabbi. We want to apprentice under him. And so we're going to take on those practices and those ways of doing life into our life. Now, that's going to be hard for us because we've got like a Western practice of life kind of thing going on. And so that's going to challenge a lot of areas of our life as we, as we sort of give up things and as we give more time to God. So I would just invite you as we go on this journey, we're going to be looking at a lot of this next year. Just be open. This, this is just an invitation to a journey. And the ultimate aim with this is, uh, this is John Ortberg. He said, uh, Disciplines do not earn us favor of God or measure spiritual success. They are exercises which equip us to live fully and freely in the present reality of God. And God works with us, giving us grace as we learn and grow. It's about positioning ourselves so that we can experience more of God. Like looking at our whole lives and presenting it before God and, and allowing Him to work on us and shape us. But it's not just a Christian self-help thing, because I think this is one of the traps that people see with spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, is that, oh, it just makes me feel good. And that's a byproduct of it, because the more time we spend with God, you're going to feel a lot better. But the actual ultimate aim is this, from Robert Mulholland. Spiritual formation is the process by which we are transformed into image of Christ, Christ for the sake of others. So this is what I'm talking about here is that sense of that as we develop this in our life and as we go deeper with Jesus and as we start seeing the fruit of the Spirit coming in our lives, we're going to bless each other as a community and we're doing it for the sake of each other so that we're more loving, more kind, more gentle, more patient. You know, that this, is, this is what's in our hearts, not just in our church, but that you're like that in your workplace, that you're taking on the fruit of the Spirit in your workplace and with your neighbours and stuff, and that is going to be a, a powerful witness for others. It's for the sake of others. 
So we're going deep with Jesus as a community for the sake of others. So how this is going to um, look like is for us as a church is uh, we've got a, a, a few groups going at the moment in our church. So at the moment there's a women's group that meets here um, with my mother-in-law Julie on Tuesday mornings and it's going great. Uh, we've got Lulu and Sam have just started a family group at, at their house and um, I've just uh, started a men's devotional group that's on Wednesdays for guys who would like to go deeper in their devotional practices. And so what we're wanting to do, and I guess this is part of my invitation to you as a church, is that we would love to have um, people who would be able to host groups so that we can start um, going deeper with this discipleship next year. So what that would look like is, is, is people being able to open up their homes and facilitate stuff. You don't need to prepare all the resources. We will give you all the resources. And part of what I went to at the conference at Practice in the Way is they have, as part of this, John Mark Comer's designed this whole uh, course where you'll be able to just like um, use the videos and have sessions where people will come along, do the practices together and, and, and learn from each other. So what we're trying to create with that and many other things is like a kitty of, of discipleship resources that people in our groups can go deeper with Jesus. And I guess the big emphasis with it is that we want people to practice. Um, we know that information doesn't lead to transformation. So I could, I could preach to the cows come home or to I'm blue in the face about all sorts of things, and I'd probably feel awesome about it. Uh, but will the transformation come in your life? And we know that transformation comes when people actually put things into practice and they learn from each other and reflect with one another. So, so what we're wanting to do next year is, we're going to, is we want to have a big focus on discipleship and spiritual formation. Um, we we want to go deeper with these things and go deeper with the things of the Spirit. Um, we want to practice these things and, and, and as a community grow together. And it's not going to be it's not going to be perfect, and uh, it, you know it's all part of a journey. But I just invite you to open your heart and to go deeper because I, I guess this is another thing I've always found is is that a lot of Christians get to a point and they just feel like they're just not growing. And and we don't want to be, uh, you know, like I'm 41. I don't want to be a uh, a one-year-old Christian, 41 year, times over, I want to I be mature. I want to be at least maybe a three-year-old or a five-year-old in, in, the, in the Lord. I want to look at my life and go, man, I have matured. I've grown in God. And that's what I want to see. That's the testimonies and, and kind of the goal that we're going for is that, that you guys would be starting to share that stuff as we go into next year, two, three, five, ten, fifteen years from now, that, that there would be fruit in our community of people saying how much they have been transformed by God and what that has done in their life. I'm, I'm just so passionate about this. Like, I'm just, this, for me, this has been the thing like, oh, yes, Lord, this is the very need of the hour. And one thing that's so cool about it is that it's ancient. This is the ancient church. For the first 300 years of the church, this is how the church ran, the way of Jesus. This is what they did. And, and you know, they, they transformed the Roman Empire, and what seemed like a victory when Constantine converted to Christianity, he was the Roman Empire, actually ended up being a bit of a disaster because he, he, he made the, the church and the state come together, which is never a great thing, and it became you know, very religious, and, and then they, they just fell into the things of the world. But what was really interesting at that time, in that time period, 
was that there were some faithful people called the Desert Fathers and Mothers, and they were people who wanted to get back to the way of Jesus. And so they, they fled from the cities and went into the desert to spend time with God. But they didn't just stay out there. They came back and started preaching and healing and doing all sorts of things in the city and bringing renewal. So it's like, I, I feel like this is the, that moment in the church history in our life that, that the cry of the hour is like, will you go deeper with me? Will you go deeper? Will you just get sucked away into the things of the world? Like, this is the invitation of the Holy Spirit. And so this is, I guess, this is the stuff we're going to be, if you're coming here, I'm just warning you, we're going to be banging on about this all the time, about your devotional practices, about going deeper with Jesus, about spiritual practices. Like, this is what we want to do communally and individually. Like, I, you know, you're always welcome here at this church, but I, I guess I want to challenge you grow, like go deeper with Jesus that, that you would in this place and that will require you to participate as well as all of us to participate with each other to encourage and to stir each other on, but let's go for this as a community because I think it's so much worth it because I, I can't do the consumer church thing, I'm sorry <laughs> as you know I'm not very good at it probably either, like I'm not super slick and <laughs> I haven't got all the super efficiencies and all that, but man I love this stuff I love seeing people going deeper with Jesus and being transformed. Like this, is, this stuff just gets me out of bed in the morning. This is what's burning on my heart, and it's what I long for for my kids and for the future generations. Is that okay? Why don't we stand? I want to read out the Romans uh, 12, 1 to 2 message uh, from the message version, Eugene Peterson's one over you, and then I, I'm just going to I'm just going to pray over us as a church as we go on this journey. But um, before I do that, if you would like to respond to what the Spirit's doing this morning, if something's touched your heart from this, um, maybe you just want to close your eyes and maybe put your hands out as an act of surrender. That we would go on this journey as a church. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Jesus, I just thank you that you're the head of this church and that we are your disciples, your apprentices, Lord, following after you. Lord, I thank you that you meet us wherever we are at. I thank you for that wonderful reality. But Lord, you don't, you don't, you don't leave us there. <laughs> you call us to go deeper. You call us to grow. You call us to be more like you. So Father, I just pray for us as a church community, for Kurimako, that we would be known as a place of deep intimacy with you, Jesus that we would be people who would know that our lifestyles are different from the world because we are we're adopting your lifestyle, Jesus. And that, Lord, that would be attractive to people. Because, Lord, we want to be wholly devoted to you, Jesus. 
and we want to extend your kingdom. We want to bless your name. So Lord, we just ask this morning, would you use us? And Lord, we just open up our lives, our hearts. We, we bring everything in our life, everything, Lord. <laughs> our time, our money, our resources, our attention, our worries, our anxieties, everything that's going through our minds and our hearts. We bring it all before you, Lord, and say, come, lead us, guide us, shape us, make us more like you, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray you continue this good work that you've been doing in our community over the last three years. And, Lord, I just pray you just guide us and help us as we go deeper with you, Jesus.